Acts chapter 4, verse 7 is where I'm going to begin and read down through verse number 12. Part of this is going to be very familiar to you, if not all of it. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means is he made whole? Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. And neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And so if you'll look at verse number 7, Peter and John were asked the question, by what power or by what name has this man been healed? How did it happen? And then Peter answers them, in verse number 10, he said that it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And then Peter tacks on verse number 12. All right, so follow the flow of what's happening here. Peter and John are asked the question, they answer the question, but then they add this uh, extra verse here, if you will. Verse number 12, Peter says, Oh, by the way, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so I want to talk to us tonight here about the name of Jesus. By what power, by what name? He says it's by the name of Jesus. And then he says, neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The events, and you can keep your Bibles open because we're going to refer back to them for a few, a few times here tonight. But the events of Acts chapter 4 are a result of the miracle that took place in Acts chapter 3. And the miraculous healing of the lame man that had been placed at the gate of the temple day after day, year after year, he had been healed when Peter and John came to the temple and they looked and looked upon him. And of course, he was asking for alms. And Peter said to him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And so the lame man that had been there for all of those years, all that time, now he was healed, and now he's, he's walking and leaping and he's praising God. And so this was a miracle in the city of Jerusalem. Many people sat up and took notice because of this wonderful, notable miracle of this man that most everybody probably knew in town. And now he's up and now he's walking, now he's praising God. And so because of the stir in the city, because of the religious establishment and the religious leaders of Jerusalem, because of, of this miracle, now they wanted to know, why is this man now whole? What happened? How did it take place? And so they pull Peter and John aside, and they begin to question them. And that's when Peter answers the question. It's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's how it happened. That's how this man stands before you whole. And then he says, there's salvation in no other name but that same name of Jesus. The Apostolic Study Bible, which I know some of you 
have makes a statement in regard to uh, Acts 4 and 12. And this is what that study Bible stated in relation to that verse. It says, Salvation is available only through Jesus Christ. For there is no other name, person, or authority who is able to save from sin. No other source. Peter makes it very clear in his comments and his response that it's in Jesus' name, that it's the only name given whereby the souls of men could be saved. And when Peter makes this proclamation, and you know, you have to remember he's standing in front of religious leaders and a group of people, scribes and Pharisees, and when he makes this proclamation before this group of people, he is in essence trying to tell them, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way. He is telling them He is the only way that we could be saved. And He makes this proclamation what no doubt He remembered Jesus saying. Jesus made a statement not too um, earlier from this time. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no man can come to the Father but by me. Jesus said, if you want to get to God, you have to go through me. I am the only way. That's what Jesus was telling his disciples in John chapter 4, verse 6. And then you read in the book of Hebrews. You read in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3. Now get this. He says, the writer of Hebrews says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which was at first spoken of by the Lord? He said, there's no other way. There's no escape. How can we escape if we neglect this great salvation. And then Paul would later write to Timothy. 1 Timothy 2.5. Paul would make this statement to, to, this, uh, uh, to this man who's coming up to follow in his steps. He said, there is one God. And there is one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Paul was telling Timothy, the only way anybody's going to get to God is through the mediator, Jesus Christ. The bridge. He's the one that bridged the gap. And so, this, this statement that Peter makes to this group of people, there is no other way to be saved outside of the name of Jesus. Brother Treese, M.D. Treese, Marvin Treese, he wrote some commentaries, and one of his commentaries on the book of Acts, he made this statement. He said, And there is no salvation in any other because neither is there another name. Neither is there another name. It's not just that it's the name of Jesus and all these other names. There is no other name. And so in Acts chapter 4, Peter's standing before this group, and I would tell you today that it is the salvation of souls that is the bottom line of what Peter is trying to reach and what Peter is trying to say. Peter is not necessarily um, his main intention is not with the healing of this lame man he's not specifically dealing with that as the primary issue but what peter is trying to communicate to that crowd of people is that yes this man was healed but more importantly you need to know that the only name that a person can be saved is through this man jesus christ And that's why it's important for us today 
to understand about Jesus Christ, to understand about the name of Jesus Christ. When Peter stood before that crowd, not everybody that was standing in front of him had paralyzed limbs like the man that had been healed. And while that man had been healed, Peter was trying to show the greater purpose. It was the salvation of souls. Now this, now this, this may go contrary to what a lot of people want to hear in our generation, but I'm going to tell you today that the salvation of souls is more important than the healing of sick bodies. It trumps it, if you will. Jesus, Jesus dealt with an issue one time whenever they brought a paralytic and to him and they brought him down through the roof. Y'all remember this story? You all remember this story as they led him down through the roof and Jesus looked at the man who was paralyzed and confined to his bed and he says, Thy sins be forgiven thee. The Pharisees and the religious people and the people that knew all Moses' law, they said, Who is he to forgive sins? Jesus said, Is it easier for the Son of Man to say that your sins are forgiven or is it easier for him to say, Rise up, take up your bed and walk? And he turned to the man who was sick or that was sick of the palsy, what Matthew 9, 9 tells us. He was sick, and Jesus turns to the sick, and he says, take up your bed and walk. And then get this, this is what Jesus said, or this is what the scripture says, that Jesus said that so that they would know that he had power on earth to forgive sins. That's pretty exciting. The Lord took an example of a physical healing to demonstrate his power to save souls. Jesus also said this. He said, it's better to go to heaven with some physical deficiency than it is to go to hell with your whole body. So there's no other name whereby we can be saved. No other source. One theologian by the name of Weiner Moulton said, for not even is there a second name. A.T. Robertson, a well-known Greek scholar, written word pictures of the New Testament, but A.T. Robertson, he said, there is no second name to go besides that of Jesus in India, China, Japan, or America. No second name. And then again, Brother Treese, he said, if one were to seek in or out of the Bible for another name, other than Jesus to provide salvation, his search would be fruitless. So that's what Peter was communicating. Neither is there salvation in any other. You see it there in your Bible in verse number 12. It literally means where he says that this name is given to us whereby we must be saved. This name is, we have this name so that we can be saved. And it literally means by which it is necessary. Somebody say necessary. It's necessary to be saved. The name of Jesus is necessary to be saved. There's, there's, in other words, there is no salvation outside of the name of Jesus. The, the Greek word there is, is dei, D-E-I. It's dei. It, it literally means it is necessary. And Peter tells the group that's listening to him that there's no other source, there's no other hope, there's no other salvation outside of the name of Jesus. There was no ambiguity or hesitation in Peter. He, in fact, he was quoting their, old, their own scriptures. 
when he said that this is the stone which is set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. He's quoting those scriptures to him. He's letting them know, hey, there is no argument. There's no pushback on this deal. You can't refute this. There is no salvation if you do not follow the Lord. And so he's trying to tell them, stop resisting Jesus. He's your, he's your door. He is your way. And so we have to have the name of Jesus if we're going to be saved. Amen. I believe that tonight. So Acts 2.38. And I'm sure most of you know this verse, if not every one of you. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Baptism is to be done in the name of Jesus. We believe that, don't we? We still believe that. We haven't changed on that. Baptism is to be administered in the name of Jesus. And when we say that, what we're saying is that the name of Jesus should be spoken. It should be invoked. When somebody is baptized, what the disciples or the apostles did and what we do today is we speak the name of Jesus over somebody. When we baptize them, we say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We speak, we invoke the name of Jesus because it is calling on the name of the Lord is where we find salvation. Amen. It's why we baptize. It's why we use the name of Jesus. So the early church in Jerusalem, the first days of the church, In Jerusalem, Peter said it, be baptized in the name of Jesus. And they did it. 3,000, at least 3,000, were baptized uh, in that second chapter of Acts. But look at Acts chapter 8 with me, if you would, please. Turn over in your Bible to Acts 8. Because when you get to Acts chapter 8, the setting is now Samaria. It's not Jerusalem now. This is a different place, because in Jerusalem, persecution began to rise, and they began to um, uh, persecute the church, and as a result, the church scattered, and when the church scattered, it went, one of the places it went was Samaria. And so in Acts chapter 8, verse number 12, there's this man named Philip who's preaching, and it says in verse 12, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So Philip's preaching, they hear it, and when they're baptized, they're baptized how? In the name of Jesus. And then verse number 16 of this same chapter. For as yet he, meaning the Holy Ghost, was not, was fought, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it, what started in Jerusalem, whenever the Holy Ghost was poured out and they were baptized, continued in this place called Samaria, and now they were baptizing people the same way in a different location. These Samaritans, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And then Acts chapter 10, when you get to Acts chapter 10, This chapter concludes with Peter and a group of Jews that had traveled from Jerusalem down to Caesarea. 
to meet with this man Cornelius, and they entered into Cornelius' house. And while Peter is speaking to Cornelius and his family and those people that were gathered in the house, guess what? The Holy Ghost falls. He's just speaking. I don't know if he was hollering or, or if he was just talking in calm tones. But however he was doing, he was proclaiming Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the Lord. And the Holy Ghost falls. And they begin to speak in tongues. Peter and those apostles, they're, they're looking in with amazement and wonder. And they're thinking, that's exactly what happened to us in Jerusalem. And so Peter preaches. They get the Holy Ghost. Verse 47 of Acts 10. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So again, now we start with Jerusalem. They're baptized in the name of Jesus. You get to Samaria. It continues. And now we jump to Caesarea. And there's a consistent thing that's happening here. They're receiving the Holy Ghost. They're being baptized in the name of Jesus. They didn't change. It just continues from place to place. And then Acts chapter 19. Verse number 1. Y'all better stop hurting that baby back there. I'm just teasing. It's okay, Kylie. Isn't it, Tegan? Look at Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? They said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the one who came after John, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. They spake with tongues and they prophesied. And so again, when baptism was administered, whether it was in, I don't know what bodies of water are around Ephesus. I didn't go look it up. But wherever they might have been baptized. When Paul baptized these 12 disciples of John the Baptist, who had previously been baptized, he baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. That's five examples. Four examples. There's one more in Acts twenty-two sixteen. You can read that one too with me. This would be the fifth example in the book of Acts. And this is Paul sharing his testimony. And he talks about how Ananias came to him. And Ananias told Saul, who became Paul, he said in verse 16, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So one more time. And this would have been in the city of Damascus, of course, where Paul uh, went when he was blinded. But in each occasion, the baptism was administered in the same way, the same formula. They baptized in the name of the Lord. 
Now one more place over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse number 12. Now this is, Paul of course is writing to a Gentile church. But he makes this statement in verse 12. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? And notice this, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course, that's a rhetorical question. The obvious answer is no. We were not baptized in the name of Paul. This church that Paul's writing to had division issues. There were people who were trying to, trying to say, well, I'm a follower of the Apostle Paul, or I'm the follower of, of Peter or of Apollos, and, and that's who I'm loyal to. But Paul looks them in the eye or writes a letter to them and says, wait a minute, the whole church was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The whole church, Jesus Christ died for the whole church, and so the church needs to unite behind Jesus Christ. So you, you take the five examples in the book of Acts. You read the, the scripture in 1 Corinthians. And it becomes very clear and it's very easy to come to the, the, the conclusion that every person in the early church, I'm not making any exceptions, every person in the New Testament church was always baptized in Jesus' name. Every believer, Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, every one of them, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And some people would say, well, why is that important? Does that even matter? And I understand the generation that we live in. Uh, You know, a few generations ago, doctrine was a lot more important. Teaching was a lot more important. Uh, A lot of people had debates and they haggled over doctrine. Today, it seems that a lot of people are just kind of, you know, doesn't really matter. But it does matter. And the reason it matters, not so we can win an argument, not so we can win a debate, but the reason it matters is because when we are baptized in the name of Jesus, we identify with Jesus Christ. We are connecting ourselves with the Lord. When we call on the name of the Lord in baptism, that's why it says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When we we invoke, orally speak the name of Jesus in this uh, baptism, we are identifying with what Jesus did for us. So look here at Romans chapter 6 with me, if you would, please. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. And this, is, this will maybe clarify what I'm saying here. Romans chapter 6, verse number 1. Paul, he said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. If you're taking notes, you can write Colossians 2.12. Because it says basically the same thing, that we are buried with Him in baptism. But when a person is baptized, what they are doing is they are connecting themselves 
or they are identifying themselves with what Christ has already done. What did he do? He, was, he died and was buried. So we're not physically going to go on a cross and die and be buried. But we identify with his death and his burial through repentance, which is our death, and through our burial, which is being baptized. Not in a tomb or not in dirt, but we are buried in water. And so that's how we identify with what Christ has done for us. And of course, we rise, the resurrection, we rise to walk in a newness of life. That's identifying with his resurrection when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So since Jesus died and was buried on our behalf, that's why we baptize in his name. He died for us. Mohammed didn't die for us. Buddha didn't die for us. Pick any name. They didn't die for us. Jesus died for us. So when, we're, when we die and are buried, we baptize in his name. <clears throat> now, um, Galatians 3.27. Let me go one more step further here. Galatians 3.27. Paul says this, he said, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now you see the little word into, I-N-T-O? You've been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. Um, That word into, the Greek word E-I-S, it's sometimes translated in, just I-N, sometimes it's translated into. So to say that we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ is saying the same as we are baptized into the name. So we put on Christ. It's like we step into Jesus Christ. And so um, to be baptized in the name literally is to be baptized into the name of Jesus. So Vine's dictionary said this. It said that speaking of this being baptized into Christ, it says this, now catch this, that it would indicate that the baptized person was closely bound to or become the property of the one in whose name he was baptized. So when we're baptized in the name, we become the property of that person. That's what W.E. Vine is saying. We become bound to that person. Because we've been baptized in His name. That's, that's what I'm saying. We're connected to Him. And then uh, one author, Rusaus John Rushduni, he said, the name stands for the person, authority, and power. So that baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus is into citizenship or membership in His person, authority, or power. Did you catch that? Baptism in His name is citizenship. It's membership. That's how we get in the body. People say, oh, it doesn't matter if you get baptized or not. Yes, it does. It's how you identify. It's how you connect. It's how you get a part, become a part of the body. Into his citizenship, membership in his kingdom. And so what we're saying is that when we are baptized, we become his property. We become a part of his body. So baptism in the name of Jesus, is not, it's not an outward sign of an inward grace. That statement came from the outside Christian world. It doesn't come from Scripture. Baptism is not an outward sign of an inward grace. Baptism, rather, is an act of obedience 
by which we identify ourselves with Jesus Himself. You say, well, you, you Pentecostals, you, you people emphasize baptism too much. You talk about the name of Jesus too much. Impossible. You have to have the name of Jesus to be saved. And there is power and there's authority in that name. When we say the name of Jesus, when, when we baptize somebody in the name of Jesus, we are calling for the power and the authority of that person. We are calling for the power and authority of Jesus Himself because that name belongs to Him. In the name, it's, it's like it's saying, I'm coming in there at that authority or I'm baptizing in His power because He has power to forgive sins. If the, if the police says, if the police approach somebody and they say, this is the police, put down your weapon. The person that that police officer is speaking to might be bigger, might be stronger, might have more, whatever. But the police comes with the authority and the power of the police department, of the law enforcement. And so they say, in the name of law, in the name of the law, open this door or in the name of the police, drop your gun. Because they're coming in the authority of law enforcement. And so when we say, when we come in the name of Jesus, we're saying we're coming in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. We are relying on the power of Jesus Christ. What does that mean, Pastor? Here's what Jesus said, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus made this statement right before He ascended to heaven. Matthew 28, 18, he said, All power is given unto me. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now this is the cool part. When Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth, then he looks at his disciples. He said, You go, and you go make disciples, and baptize them in the name. Isn't that cool? Maybe I studied too hard, but that's cool. In the name. You go baptize them in the name. I've got all power, he said. Now you go and make disciples and baptize them in the name. And so Peter, he stands before this crowd, and he said, when he's asked the question, by what power or by what name have you done this? He said, this man has been healed by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Jesus told, tells us, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Does that mean I can, I can just, whenever I want, say Jesus and he'll give me a new Corvette? Does it mean I can just say Jesus and he'll fill my cupboards and my closets and my house with all the stuff? I, no, that's not what that means. It means if you have faith in him, and you have a need that you can speak the name of Jesus and the authority and the power of Jesus Christ, he can meet that need by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and Faith in His name. In His name through... When Peter said that to that crowd, that he said, it was His name through faith in His name hath made this man strong whom ye see and know. 
Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him the perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It came in the name of Jesus. So whatever we do in word or deed, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus. Do it all in the name of Jesus. Everything we do, we do it in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. You know what we are? We are his representatives. You realize that? That we are representatives of Jesus Christ. We go in the authority and the power of his name, in the power and authority of the Lord. So when we baptize people, we say, in the name of Jesus. And they come up and they are clean. They are washed. Say, is it the water? Nope. Is it the preacher? Absolutely not. It's the power of the name. Faith in his name. The authority of his name. You baptize them and they come out by faith. They are washed clean. Pray over people. You cast out devils. Lay hands on the sick to recover in the name of Jesus Christ. You say, is it a magic formula? It's not a magic formula. There's no special powers in the name of Jesus. In fact, if some old sinner, just a rank sinner, gets mad at something and he says Jesus just out of anger, or somebody utters that name in a vulgar way, they're not going to see it in miracles. Nothing's going to happen. They don't have power when they just say the name of Jesus. But if, if a child of God, if a believer has faith, if we have faith in the Lord, we can speak the name and healing can happen. And devils can be cast out. Situations can be reversed. Prayers can be answered as we speak the name of Jesus. Because there's authority, there's power behind that name. There were some sons of Sceva talked about in Acts chapter 19. They're called vagabond Jews. They were exorcists. And it was their business to go around and try to cast out evil spirits using the name of the Lord Jesus. They would approach people and they would say, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And One time they tried it. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Praise the Lord. But we know the name. We know the name of Jesus. Whatsoever you shall ask in the name of Jesus, he said, I'll do it. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. And the Bible tells us this, and I'll close here, that it is the name that is above all names. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wrapped up in that name is our salvation our help, our defense, whatever we need in the Lord. It's wrapped up in the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord, because He has the ability. The Lord has the ability to meet whatever need we have. He has the ability to, to perform the ultimate miracle, which is the salvation of our souls. So when we're in need, it's Jesus. Anybody ever done that? Everybody ever been in, had a time of need? been in pain, 
you've been struggling, you were in trouble, uncertainty, had a financial need, your bank account was running dry, and you said Jesus. You spoke the name of Jesus. Has anybody ha- that ever happened to anybody here? More than once, I'm sure. It's Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. And you know what? You know, I don't know. I think everybody here has probably been baptized in the name of the Lord. But if somebody's listening or somebody hears this later and you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to, to open your Bible. Read those verses. Read Acts 2, 8, 10, 19, Acts 22, 16. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Read those verses. Under, read what the Scripture says about the name of Jesus. And if you've never been baptized, calling on the name of the Lord, it's time. You need to be baptized in His name. Praise the Lord. There, there might be some people that, that you're connected to or somebody you know that's hurting tonight. I'm going to tell you the answer is calling on the name of the Lord. That is the answer. Praise the Lord. Sometimes, sometimes we're stubborn and sometimes we try so many other sources and so many other places we look to try to heal our hurts and help us through our needs. But I'm going to tell you that the name of Jesus, it's in the name of Jesus. There's, there's people who, who face all kinds of struggles and all kinds of issues in life. The answer, say the name. Say the name. Praise the Lord. It is in Jesus. Why don't you stand with me? Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful tonight I know the name of Jesus. And I don't say that in any arrogance. I don't say that, you know, as, you know trying to say that we're better or, or more important than anybody. I'm just so thankful that the Lord has revealed His name to us, opened our eyes, illuminated it so that we could see it. Praise the Lord. And, and I'm thankful for today. I, re, I remember the service. I remember the service. It was January I don't remember the, the exact date. I've got it written in one of my Bibles. But it was cold. It was January something, 1986, that I was baptized in Jesus' name. My twin brother and I, we had been praying at the altar. We had been seeking the Holy Ghost for a while. And, and uh, Brother Parker or Brother Whalen, somebody got our attention and said, Do you want to get baptized? And so we had, a, we had a, a metal tank right behind our little platform wall. No heater in it. It was just cold. It's January. It, you know, we don't get we don't have Minnesota weather, but it was still cold. And uh, but you know what? Even that old cold, that cold water, a little bit rusty, it still worked. It washed my sins away. Praise the Lord in the name of Jesus. Because when Brother Parker baptized me, I came out brand new, clean. Praise the Lord. Let's worship God today. Jesus, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for. Your word, your promises. Thank you, Jesus. God, for this great salvation today.